0: So here's what I want you to do first. This is so weird. So what I want you to do first is on on your notebook, if you have your own, or on the notepad that we provided for you there, I want you to write down what you think of when you hear the word relationship or relationships. What comes to your mind when you hear the word relationship? Now, don't write a story. It can just be a line, a couple, three words. Not writing an essay or a paragraph or anything. Just what comes to your mind when you hear relationship. And I'm not looking for anything in particular, just so you know, okay. All right, who's, um, we're going to have some interaction along the way too, by the way, tonight and tomorrow. Um, Who's willing to share what you got on your paper? Carlos, I saw your hand. Uh, Connection between two people. Anybody? Matthew. Trust. Trust. Okay. Anybody else? Kayla. A bond between two people. Yeah, I hear. I see some nodding. I don't know if that's agreement or like I wrote exactly the same thing and we think alike, or yeah, word for word. That's strange. Okay. Anybody else got something they want to share? I'm not. Okay. I. I want you to think of something different from now on. When you hear the word relationship. I want you to think of temples and sons. You can write that down if you want to, you don't have to. You guys are going, what? I believe the Lord would like us to think about temples and sons. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. One thing we will talk about tonight and again tomorrow throughout the course, and I I believe that the way the Holy Ghost has been dealing with me, the Lord will continue to build on what uh, he gives us. And so temples and sons. How many of you had that written on your paper beforehand? Right? No, yeah, you're right. what? No, I didn't didn't write temples and sons when I'm talking about relationships. What in the world? Um, But by the help of God and his word, uh, he'll talk to us tonight, and it may shift our thinking. The uh, nothing wrong with any answer. Please don't misunderstand me tonight. Um, but the desire of God for us is that we would have the mind of Christ, that we would think as he thinks. And you all, as as hyphens, that term we use, you all are at a place in your life where You have youth, you have energy, you have zeal, you have passion. These are God given to you at this season in life. And so, how you yield those things to God becomes critical. You are critical to God in this hour. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. And so that's not just a little reminder that you should be thinking about God. It really is a beckoning call from God at this age of life where you recognize, hold on, if there's ever a time for me to commit myself and dedicate myself to what God would have of me, it's in this season of life. It's in this season of life. You are... I as I've been praying and thinking about this time together, the thing that kept coming into my spirit when I would think about you all as individuals and as a group is an army. I, I would just I would see an army and like this this small group of specialized and trained army that could be used for the purpose and the glory of God. And so relationships, temples and sons. So let's look at some scripture for a minute, and I want us to, we're going to start in the Old Testament, we're going to cover some things really quick. Uh, Exodus 40 and verse 34 and 35, Exodus 40 and verse 34 and 35, and I don't, oh yeah, it is on supposed to pop up on the wall up there for you. So we'll see what happens. There you go. Now watch. It says, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Verse 35 says, And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So the tabernacle was so full of the glory of God that Moses couldn't go in. All right. Now, I want us to skip to 1 Kings chapter 8. This of course where we read in Exodus is where the Lord had instructed to Moses to build the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. And now in 1 Kings we find the dedication of Solomon's temple. And I want us to see something here in 1 Kings chapter number 8 starting with verse number 10 and 11. 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 10 and 11. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, they had been in there offering sacrifice, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, verse 11, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Temples matter in relationship. So let's fast forward all the way to the New Testament. Acts chapter number 7, verses 44 through 49. Like I said, we're just going to read a few scriptures here for a moment, and we're going to talk a little bit, okay? Acts chapter number 7, verses 44 through 49. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. That's what we read about in Exodus. As he had appointed the Lord, speaking to Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers under the days of David, who found favor before God and declared to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. So the writer, what he's recounting here as he's talking is saying, hey, first there was the tabernacle of witness. And then David wanted to build a house where God could dwell. But the Lord said, no, because of all the blood that's on your hands from war, you can't build it, but you can begin setting aside. And so his son Solomon built it, which we read about in 1 Kings, verse number 47. But Solomon built him a house, verse 48. Howbeit, now watch, we were in the Old Testament, now we're in the New Testament. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Verse 49, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place... Of my rest. The Lord is posing that question. What house will you build me? Okay. Relationship. Relationships. Temples and sons. First Corinthians. We're just going to read a couple more verses here. Chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. The Scripture is filled with threads. This is a thread in Scripture. Paul is asking a question here. Starting with verse 16, he says, Know you not, or do you not know, that you, everybody say me, You are the temple of who? You are the temple of God. And that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Verse 17. If any man or woman, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And then finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And he asks as a question again. What? Know ye not or do you not know that your body, everybody say my body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This isn't what Moses built. This isn't what Solomon built. This is your and my body. What do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own or you don't belong to yourself. Verse 20, Why? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Where? In your body. What's your body? The temple. Where did the glory of the Lord dwell? In the temple. Right. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When you think about relationship and relationships, I want, by the grace of God, I would, that when you hear that word, you think, temple and son, temple and son. The temple of God is what you are. It's important to know what you are. You are the temple of God relationships build one upon the other. Would you agree with that? We have relationships that come. I have a relationship with Carlos. Not some deep, long relationship. We haven't known each other very long. But we know who each other is. We came into relationship through a mutual relationship. We both knew someone that introduced us to one another, and now we have a relationship because of right. relationships build on relationships. All right? But there's a right way and a wrong way for relationships to be built. Do we all agree? There's some ways I shouldn't be introduced to Carlos in a relationship. Right? I'm married. I would not want my wife to say, hey, I've been having coffee with this guy every Thursday for the last couple of months, and we've been talking and spending time together. I mean, you know, just friends, but having coffee. I want you to meet him. I'd be like, I'd like to meet him too. Right? We understand, hold on, something's not right with that. There's a right way and a wrong way for relationships to be made. Amen? And so, you must know this. And I, I know we understand this, I think, in our intellect. We've got to let this get in our spirit. All right. There is no relationship more important than your relationship with God. There is no relationship that is of greater priority than your relationship with God. If you have a relationship that is taking you away or hindering your relationship with God, you need to sever that relationship. I'm going to say that again. If you have a relationship that is hindering your relationship with God, you need to sever that relationship. doesn't mean it can't ever be brought back to be. But if it's a hindrance to the relationship with God, something's not right. Your first relationship. And all of you, everybody here interested in a husband or a wife at some point in your journey that doesn't already have one of elder flowers and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's natural. God made you that way. But sometimes, especially at this age in life, if you're not careful, if you you don't stay in a place of putting the first relationship first, it'll get out of order. And relationships will be built upon the wrong things, and damage and hurt will come. And the design and the desire and the destiny of God for your life will be hindered, and possibly, God forbid, even destroyed if you don't make sure he's always the primary relationship. You are the temple of God. It's what you are. You are the place where when he baptizes you with his spirit, the living God comes and dwells inside of you. Malachi 3 and 1 says, and the Lord will suddenly come to his temple. Well, the Israelites would read that, they would hear that, and they were waiting on the coming Messiah. Which, of course, it was prophetic that he would come. That's what Malachi 3 1 did testify to. But it's interesting the choice of words the prophet used. The Lord will suddenly come to his temple. Well, they were waiting when Jesus came for Jesus to show up and then go and take his place in the temple of Israel, of Jerusalem. But he didn't do that. But on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it says they were all together in one place with one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. Right. Suddenly there came a sound. And what happened? The Lord suddenly came to his temple. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as his spirit gave the utterance. The suddenly was the spirit of God, the promise of the Father, coming into the temple. But it wasn't the temple the way they thought. It wasn't Moses' tabernacle. It wasn't Solomon's temple. It wasn't the temple of Jerusalem. It was the body, the living individual, you and I. It was the indwelling spirit of God saying... I don't dwell in temples built by men. I don't dwell in temples made with hands. Your body is my temple. That's what you are. The temple of God. Do you realize how significant that is? I don't know if we do. I I don't know if I do someday. I mean, we read in Exodus and in 1 Kings. The glory of the Lord... Filled the temple. When you and I are filled with the Spirit of God, the desire is that the glory of God manifests itself through our lives. You are the temple. When you think about relationship and relationships, I would, by the grace of God, the first place you would go is, hold on a minute. First thing, this relationship, I'm his temple. Before I'm his friend, her friend, any other thing, I'm his temple. This is what I am. This is not changing. This is not negotiable. This is not something I compromise on. I am the temple of God. I don't belong to myself. I don't get to choose what I want in relationship. I'm his temple. He chooses for me. And I choose what he chooses because that would be my desire. My body is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I am. You are the temple of God. How powerfully wonderful is that? How amazing is that when I read Exodus and Kings and then I think that mighty God that filled those temples with his glory would take and say, that just doesn't do it for me. That's just not really what I want. What I want is to take my glory and I want to come and be inside of the living creation that I have made. That's what I want my temple to be. That's where I want to abide. That's where I want my glory to emanate. That's you. You are the temple. And every relationship, every relationship should start from a place where you understand if they don't respect this temple, I got no time for them. I am the temple. Of God. You are the temple of God. Pray with me for a moment, would you do that? Itana may shitiana na maka ta nele kitana mahaye. Father, open our understanding of what we are. That we are your temple. I pray, open our understanding of what we are. Not what the world would try to paint some picture as, but a fresh revelation and understanding that we are your temple, your choosing, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let the lies of the enemy be stripped away Let deception of the enemy be stripped away In Jesus' name In Jesus' name In Jesus' name in Jesus' name, you are the temple. And so we read there in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, if any man defile the temple, him will God destroy. For the temple is holy. You're the temple. So Question. For you. You remember the story. I'm looking around. I think all of you here remember this story. I've heard this story in scripture. Remember where Jesus came to the temple during his earthly ministry and he was grieved. He was upset. Matter of fact, he became angry, right? He became angry because he came to the temple and he saw them in the temple. They had, he said, my house shall be called what? A house of prayer. But you've made it what? you turned it into a den of thieves. Is it fair to say they had defiled the temple? Yeah. And so what did he do? The Bible says he took some cords. He braided a whip, and he went in there, and he went to turning over tables, swinging. the. I mean, where's this loving Jesus I hear about? I'll tell you, he was right there. He, was, he loves the temple. And they had defiled what he loved. They had turned what he loved and its purpose into something else. It didn't mean it was no longer the temple. It just meant they had turned it into something for their own purpose and their own use. But it was still the temple. And that made him angry. And so his anger came out in that moment. The scripture said, the zeal of the Lord hath eaten me up. And he came in and he scourged the temple. He ran them out. He was driving out those things that defiled the temple. Now hear me. I'm not trying to sound like a broken record, but you are the temple. And I don't care what you, I mean I do care. But it doesn't matter what you decide. Well, this is what I'm going to do with this body. This is how I'm going to It doesn't change the fact that God says when my spirit came and dwelt in you, you're my temple. And so you can choose to put in what you want to put in, let in what you want to let in. You can choose to take the temple where you want to take it. But God still calls you his temple. If any man defile the temple. Him will God what? Those are strong words, aren't they? Now, I know he's a God of mercy, but you have to know what you are. This world tries to deceive you and get you to be something else. What could be greater than being the temple of the Most High God? What what does this world have anything to offer me that says, hey, I'll make you this or I'll make you that? What can they offer me that's greater than being the temple where the glory of God dwells? See, that's the deception. Is to get our eyes fixed on something else. that, Well, I, I would like, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. You have the privilege of being the temple of the almighty God. So. You ever heard this statement? Garbage in. What's the next part? Garbage out. Right now, anybody anybody in the room? Now, don't lie because we're recording. Well, no, they no video though, right? You're like, whew, no, no. So, anybody in the room? Sort of like a neat freak. Some of you, yeah. Okay. I'm probably the neat freak in my house more than anybody, and I don't know that I'm, like, OCD to a full extent. But Like, I can get to a point. I want things in a place, and okay. And so how would you feel if someone came into your house and uh, they'd been walking through the mud? You invited them in. Come on in. And you're thinking, no, they're going to take their shoes off. They're going to leave. And they just walked right across your carpet. You're probably biting your tongue. Right? And you're like, I'm not biting my tongue. I'm, right. And then they, they sit down on the couch. They throw their feet up on your table. Mutt. You're looking at the mud. And you loved them when they walked in, but it's really questionable right about now. They came in carrying a drink with them. They got a Coke or a coffee. They sit it down on the edge of your couch. They're talking. They get to, and you know, they knock it over and it spills on your table and your carpet. And they oh, I'm sorry. You, gotta, you got, Oh, there's some Kleenex. I'll just wipe that up. And, and you're feeling the angst I'm starting to feel about this person. Right? Right. Why does that bother you? I'll tell you why it bothers you. They're defiling your house. Right? They're like, man, re- re- respect my house. I mean, come on. I I mean. How does the Lord feel about his temple? You and I are the temple. And this This is the primary relationship. Temple, the Almighty God. I know we can't understand this with our carnal mind, but the Almighty God says, I want to live in this temple. Your temple. You, the temple of God. How does He feel when I'm like, Lord, I know this is your temple? If you don't mind, I'm not going to knock the mud off my boots in the temple today. So, how does this temple get defiled? What defiles the temple? How do things get in the temple? Any ideas? Who's got an idea of how things get in the temple? Doorway. The doorway. Okay. So what's a doorway to your temple? To his temple. Not yours. His temple that you are. What's a doorway to your temple? Uh, eyes. We, we all got eyes? Your eyes. My eyes are a doorway. To, I'm talking about relationship. Mine and your eyes are a doorway to the temple. What are you willing to let into his temple? Oh, that changes things all of a sudden, doesn't it? We're just going to be real for the next little bit this evening and tomorrow, okay? That's the beauty of a small group, right? I don't care if it's PG PG-13, or R? The rating alone doesn't make it acceptable or not acceptable. What am I letting in the temple? What am I allowing in the temple with my eyes? I was shocked. I'm going to try not to go off on a tangent here. I'm going to be really quick. I was shocked the other day. I play one game on my phone. It's the only game I play. i probably played it for several years. And I, pray, I play it because of relationship. It's word with friends. I know you guys are like, that's an old person's game, right? But I play word with friends because I play with my dad. And so my dad and I will exchange a line or two every day, every couple. It's a way to stay in relationship with my dad. I don't play with anybody else. Okay? So this is the only game. Well, but every once in a while you get an ad in between stuff when you play Words with Friends and like you do something because I don't pay for any. I'm not paying for any game. And so you get an ad. I get this ad the other day. And it's like a sniper ad. I don't know if this shocks you or not. <laughs> Have you guys all seen this? Yeah, I'm like, no way. Sorry, I'm a little naive sometimes. And so I'm like, this can't. I, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by it. My mind is shocked by this. I'm like, I'm downloading that. I, this can't be what they're portraying here. I, I wasn't downloading it because like, that's cool. I want to be a sniper. I, I, was like, I was like, surely not. Surely not. So I downloaded this game. And I'm like, you know, they paint the picture. This guy is a bad guy. Take him out. Right, headshot or more points. Build up your rifle, and and I'm thinking. So, like, I played with it for like three seven minutes, maybe, because I just wanted to. See, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me! It's not on my phone. I deleted it right after that. Okay, but I. I was like, somebody is letting that into the temple. You say, come on, it's just a harmless game on my phone. Is it really? How does the Lord feel about that coming into his temple? See, what we do is, here's what happens. And again, please understand, this is about relationship and relationships. And it all starts with you and I as the temple. But what we do is we, society makes us tolerant. And so rather than the word of God and the indwelling spirit of God, who should be the one telling us what can and can't come into the temple, we let society and, well, you know, it's not such a big deal. Who said it was a big deal? Should it be in the temple or not? This isn't a... Well, you know... You know, it's an interesting thing about things in the temple. You can read in the Old Testament. There was a high priest named Eli. Eli, the scripture says, was a... um, I may not be using the right uh, King James word. But the scripture says Eli was a fat man. Somewhere along the way, this happened. And... Eli moved some stuff into the temple that wasn't supposed to be there. He moved a chair into the temple. There was never anywhere in Scripture that the Lord instructed a stool to be in the temple. But because of his condition, what he had become, he decided, you know, because the priest was always supposed to stand or kneel before the Lord. See, what you let in the temple will start changing how you approach God. And he moved a chair into the temple because it was heavy. And it it made it more comfortable in the temple. And you know what? Eli got some news one day in the temple. And he was sitting on that stool that wasn't supposed to be in the temple anyway. And the scripture says he fell backward off the stool and broke his neck. What he brought into the temple that wasn't supposed to be there became a part of his demise. What are you letting into the temple? You and I are the temple of God. This is the primary relationship. Nothing else matters if we don't get this relationship right. And if we don't guard, protect, love, keep, cherish this relationship. You're the temple. So things get in through the eyes. How else do things get in the temple? What's the other doorways? The ears. You mean what I hear matters? I don't know, I just like the beat. I don't even pay attention to the words. Anybody ever heard that before by the way? You know what? I I get no joy out of sharing this with you. When I was 17, 18 years old in high school, um I was I was into the top forty because that's what all my friends listened to, and so like I wanted to be like you know in, and so like it's when Garth Brooks came on the scene, and and we weren't like I mean we weren't like we're country western people. It didn't matter. We were like all over the board, and we didn't care. We were all over the board. Def Leppard one day, Garth Brooks the other day. Somebody goes like, "Who's that?" It's good. Don't worry about it. Don't go looking, and so. But man, I could sing all those songs. I could tell you the lyrics. I could go right down the list. And you know what? That was 30 plus years ago. And I could hear the tune right now. And I guarantee you, I could pick up and I could start. My kids can tell you. I I could start singing the song lyric for lyric for lyric for lyric. See, we think... Well, you know, I can let it in the temple, but I control it. I just get it right back out. I'm just bringing it in for a little bit, but I got control here. Please hear me. You are. If if it wouldn't hurt you, I'd grab you and I'd shake you. You are the temple of God. You got to know what you are. You're not just a young lady or a young man that nobody knows about. Or I'm telling you, he knows who you are. You are the temple. You are. You got to know that's what you are. You need a revelation and an understanding from God that that's what you are. You need to vow. You know, the world says you don't have any value. The world's a lie. They don't know. You are of great, great, great value. You are the temple of God. And so, see, if you don't think you have value and you don't know what you are, then you're not concerned with what comes in. But when you get a revelation from God of what you are, all of a sudden you're like, hold on, that's not coming in here. Not bringing that in my house. I'm not letting that come in here. Please let God show you, quicken to you by his word what you are. Because you know what he does with the temple when the temple's not defiled? When we don't fill it with stuff, he fills it. And you know what he fills it with? His glory. He fills the temple. We read those examples in Scripture. And guess what? When the temple's filled with his glory, there's not room for anything else to enter in. You are the temple of God. And this is the primary relationship. Now I want to shift a little bit. And we real old oh, man. Romans chapter 8. We're going to go to Romans 8, 13 through 16. While the. Audio Video Tech is working on that. What I'd like us to do is pray again. Could we do that? Could we just take a few minutes right now and pause? And could we talk with the God of the temple? Come on, let him talk to you. I know, I know you've been receiving and listening and letting him mark your spirit. Could we pray for a few minutes here and... Father, I pray by your word and by your spirit, strip away the lies of this world. Strip away the deception that would try to convince these chosen individuals that they have no value. But I pray by your word and by your spirit, revelation and understanding of what they are. That they are the temple of the living God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Revelation and understanding given of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We could spend a whole lot more time. We're not going to. But you can go back and spend time with God in His Word and in prayer. And thinking about things that could defile the temple. What I read can defile the temple. What I spend my time with online or on my phone can defile the temple. Remember, my temple doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. He bought it. He purchased me. And so I have to look at what am I letting in through my eyes, through my ears, right through my mouth. That's why we don't partake of certain things in through our mouth; it defiles the temple. All right, temples are what we are. Romans eight thirteen. For if you live after the flesh, what's going to happen? You'll die. But if you, through what? The Spirit. This is important. This isn't something you do through human will and effort and work. This is through the Spirit. If you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. We need to pause here just a second. You cannot mortify the deeds of the body by human will, human effort, human discipline. That's deception. You can't do it. That's what the Pharisees fell into. The scripture's clear. If you, through the Spirit... I guess technically the way this reads, you could mortify the deeds of the body through human effort, but it doesn't mean you'd live. If you want to live, you got to let the s- deeds of the body be mortified through the Spirit. you got to let the Spirit have its work in your heart. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, where does the Spirit of God dwell? Ah, in the temple in the temple that's what you are so now the spirit of god's dwelling in you the temple and as many as are led by the spirit of god so this the spirit that dwells in you is the temple if you'll allow that indwelling spirit to lead you the temple's what you are but you are they are the sons of god that's who you are We need revelation and understanding of what we are and who we are. And when we know according to the word of God, by the spirit of God, bearing witness with us, that what we are and who we are, then relationship with God deepens and grows and every other relationship that comes into our life, the spirit of God can direct it and God can be glorified and he can bring right relationship in our lives. We should judge every relationship from the basis of what we are and who we are. As the temple of God and sons of God. Um, let's keep reading. For you have not received the spirit of a bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Keep going. The spirit itself. This is a powerful verse. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. That we are the sons of God. When you're starting to question that it probably means something's gotten in the temple. Because the Spirit itself, the very Spirit of God, bears witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. There's something that bears witness in you that when the enemy tries to come and say, God doesn't care about you, you don't matter to God, even though you've been filled with the Spirit. No, if you're following after the Lord, following after the Spirit that dwells in the temple that you are, Your spirit bears witness with God's spirit that you're his son. Now, I've heard this statement, and the first time I heard it quite a few years ago, I thought, well, that's an interesting thought. And then I've heard it again and again, and I've pondered it, and I've just dug through it in Scripture. I've heard this. We're not sons and daughters of God. We're sons of God. And so... The first time I heard that, I, I don't know, might have been 10, 15 years ago now. It's hard to keep track, but I thought, hmm, okay. I mean, I, I don't disagree, but I don't know if I agree yet either. Then I started digging in Scripture, and you know what? It's true. It's true. You understand, I wasn't finding fault with the person that said it. I just thought, i got to dig in the Word a little bit about that. I'm, I'm not sure. I want to go dig in the Word. You know why you're not daughters of God. Some of you ladies are getting like, I don't know, know. you tell me, I don't know about this. You don't want to be a daughter of God. Why are we called sons of God when he adopts us? Here's why. If you go back and you look all through scripture and you study sons, it's sons that always receive the inheritance of the father. It's sons that take on the name. And carry on the name of the father. Daughters, they take on the name of whomever they marry. They give up the name of their father. My, uh, a few of you know this, many of you don't. Uh, I mean, you know my name. My name is Joel Hart, right? And so my oldest son is Joel Hart as well. Uh, My dad's name is Joel Hart. And my grandfather's name was Joel Hart. And my great-grandfather's name was... Yeah, you get the picture. My, my oldest son is actually the ninth Joel Hart in this long list of Joel Harts. I, I, have these, I have this thing hanging on the wall at my house that's from the Civil War. When my great-great... I think that's the right number of greats. There might be one more. I'm not sure. Uh, but my great-great-grandfather was a prisoner of war... At Point Lookout, Maryland, during the Civil War. And so when the war ended, he was released. Thank God. He didn't die there. Most people died at Point Lookout. It was not a good situation. But he did they released him, and so he had to sign this pledge of allegiance to the, un, the Union. And so I have this release, Civil War release signed, Joel Hart. It's pretty cool. It's sort of neat to me. And so what happens is there are certain things like that certificate that passes along in my family. And my sister, I have a sister, 18 months older than I. And so she was talking to me and my dad one day a few years ago. And she's like, uh, Dad, what do I get? How come he gets that? And then we've got this. Old silver that my dad said you should probably sell, and we thought about it, but then we'd feel bad if we did because it's been passed down from generation to generation. It's got all these heart H's engraved on it. And so my um, my sister says, how come he gets that stuff? How come he gets the family stuff? And You know, like he's got some painting he's going to give her from their house that she likes, and so whatever. But he's like, well, he's the son. You're not a heart anymore. He doesn't mean that unkind. You understand. My sister's not a heart anymore. She's a Thornton now. So she may get some Thornton stuff. I don't know. (laughs) But she's not a heart. And I love my daughter. I'll love her until the day I die. But if she gets married. She's not a heart anymore. That's the way it works. This is the design of God in relationship. So this is why we are sons of God. We take on the name. We become bearers of the name. And we become inheritance. If you keep reading that chapter, we won't keep reading it tonight. But if we're sons of God, then we're heirs and joint heirs with God. Daughters aren't heirs. Sons are heirs. So we're sons of God. Now... 1 John 3, verse 1. 1 John 3 and 1. There it is. Watch this. hear, Hear the words of John. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. He's talking about you and I. What manner of love the Father's bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. That's love. Therefore, because we're called the sons of God, the world knoweth us not, because it knew not him or knew him not. Verse 2. Verse two. (laughs) Beloved. Right. He bestowed on us the love of God. Beloved. Now everybody say now. Now Now, say that again. One more time. Now. Now are we the sons of God? This isn't futuristic. This isn't down the road. When you were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you received the spirit of adoption. Now are you the sons of God. This is the design of God. Now are you the son. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. That's in the future when he calls us to be with him. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Like who? Like our father we shall see him as he is. Verse number three. And every man. That's mankind. Every man that hath this hope in him. What does he do? Does what? Purifieth himself. Even as... Who's pure? Even as he is pure. See, there's this element of care for the temple that also goes along with care as a son. You purify yourself. Because the relationship with the father is what every other relationship builds from. And if that relationship isn't priority and isn't in order and the temple isn't given over to him the way it should be, I run the risk of every other relationship being dysfunctional, broken, confusion, chaos. The first priority in relationship is to know what you are and who you are. You are temples and you are sons. We must know this. We must let the Spirit of God get this into our spirit with understanding and with conviction. With understanding and with conviction. So that we don't defile the temple, but we also don't give anyone else permission to defile the temple. And if I, this is why Paul said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Unbelievers aren't the temple. They can understand what it is to care for the temple. I'd take it a step further. I'm not trying to add to Scripture, but I'd take it a step further. Be not unequally yoked with believers who don't value the temple. You're the temple and you're the son of God. If you're led by his spirit and filled with his spirit, this is what you are and who you are. And it makes all the difference in every relationship of your life. This is so critical and so important. Can we pray one more time? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father, in your name. Why don't we stand together, stretch your legs a little bit and talk with him. Jesus, in your name, Father, you are our Father. You are our Father. I pray in this precious group of young people. Clear understanding and revelation of what they are and who they are in relationship to and with you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The adversary doesn't want you to have this revelation. The adversary doesn't want you to have this understanding because he can no longer hold something over you that says you don't have value or that you're not anything. But when you recognize what the Word of God and the Spirit of God says you are and who the Word and Spirit of God says you are, it changes everything in your life. In relationships at home, in relationships at work, in relationships with friends, in relationships with family, you must know who you are. You are the Son of God. You must know what you are. You are the temple of God. And greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. We We reach to you, Father. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want us to do something here for a minute. I'd I'd like um, a lady to get with a lady, a young man with a young man. The numbers work out perfectly tonight. So would you do that? And I want you to begin to pray one with the other. Young lady with a young lady, young man with a young man. And hear me before you begin to pray. I don't. I don't know everyone in this room in deep detail. I know all of you a, a little bit. See oftentimes because of our because of our family situation in the natural. We struggle to receive these truths of the word of God in the spiritual. I know of what I speak because I wrestled with it for many, many years in my life. Because I didn't have a picture of what a loving, caring father who always wanted the best for me looked like. And so I brought my tainted view into my relationship with God. And so I would view God through that lens as a father who, man, if I got out of line, he was waiting with a big stick. Doesn't mean God never uses a big stick, you understand, but but you understand what I mean. And so we would, these things of our life that are of the natural or where the adversary or where just humanity wasn't aligned with the will of God. And then so it would cause us to question our value or question our relationship with the father. Could he love me like this says? Am I really beloved? Has he really bestowed upon me this love? Yes, he has. This is the will and the design and the desire of God for you. Okay? and So I want us to pray with one another. And I want us to pray that anything that would hinder receiving revelation, understanding, and receiving the love of God that he has for us, That it would be broken and removed from our lives tonight. And that God could love us. We would let him love us the way he wants to. Can we do that? Well, some of you struggle to let people love you. And you didn't mean to, but you even brought it into your relationship with God. Because people who you thought had loved you hurt you. He won't do that. People who you thought loved you took advantage of you. He won't do that. People who you thought loved you hurt people that you loved. He won't do that. The Lord's wanting to heal you tonight. I feel such a witness of the Holy Ghost right now. Would you begin to pray? Come on, This is a work of his spirit. It's not something we can produce. I want you to pray in faith. Come on, I want you to pray in faith for one another. You say I don't know how. You just pray as the Lord would lead you. Let the Lord lead you. Come on, let healing. Let, come on, this may be painful for some of you a little, but God's going to heal you. He's going to take some of that hurt away.